the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I'm pleasing him in all respects, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, I'm using the knowledge of God. Now again I incline my ears to his word, all distance my heart. It's giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. You know, for some time, I have been saying that we have come to the end of the series on um, prayer basics. Do you remember? And then I will now come back and say, sorry, we left something out. I will say that one more time. I hope it's the last time. All right? First, we left. We forgot the issue of our conversations. We discussed that. And then last time, um, well, that was the first thing I added. And today, I want to just talk, say something. I hope I can finish it in one um, round on hindrances to answered prayers. What are the hindrances to our receiving answers to our prayers? I think it would not be right if we finish this discussion without looking at the hindrances we have to watch out for, okay, to receiving answers to prayer. And like I was saying, I hope we'll be able to do that in a short term round and not um, come back on and on about it. But let's see how it goes, all right? Now, let me start by reminding us about what is called the prayer of faith. We read that from the book of James chapter 5. Maybe we should just go there to start today. James chapter 5. That's a way of reminder. What's a prayer of faith? And the reason why it's important, I say that, is that every other kind of prayer will not receive from God. Amen? That's just the way it is. If it's not a prayer of faith... We're not discussing that at all. That is, in fact, many of the things that we are going to look at along the line, we constitute the opposite to prayers of faith as hindrances to um, answered prayer. In fact, you know what I was thinking about it not too long ago, all right? I tried to make a list, but I just realized that the, the items dovetail into one another. You don't know where to separate one particular one from another. For example, now I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm talking about the fact that some prayers are not prayers of faith. So later on, I'll mention some other things. Saying, this also means that, or oh, this is also a, a, um, a sign that the prayer is not of faith. So let's just talk about all of them. All right? And as, and as, as it applies to your life, you tap into it and eradicate the hindrance that may be obstructing the answers to your prayers. You understand that? So, let's start from James chapter 5. Just to remind ourselves, um, from verse um, 13, James said, Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Now, if we go down to verse, um, okay, let's just continue reading. In verse 16, he says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. 
He now described Elijah as a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly, can I say in faith, I'm just adding that, that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured forth rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, just to remind us, of course, we picked from um, verse, um, which verse is that? 15. If you read the King James, it says, A prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And that's why we took that expression from the prayer of faith. Now, again, just as a way of reminding us something we have said many times, people now say that a prayer of faith is a type of prayer. And I think I've established, and it makes a lot of sense if you bother to think about it by yourself, that a prayer of faith cannot be a type of prayer. All valid prayers are prayers offered in faith. So the opposite of the prayer of faith is not prayer of intercession or prayer of supplication or prayer of petition or prayer of... No, no, those are not the opposite or the other types. All of those things are prayers of faith. The opposite to prayer of faith, that the other types apart from prayer of faith are prayers that are offered, let me put generally speaking, in unbelief. And what do we mean? Prayers offered as a way of competing with another person. You have not because you do not ask. When you ask, you don't receive. And that is clear. James told us like that. If you ask, you do not receive. Why? You ask so as to spend on your lust. And if you look at it in context, what did they call lust there? Is a competitive spirit. If this person has done it, I need to do it also. God, what are you waiting for? My mates, everything is competitive. It's a matter of rivalry. There's a rivalry spirit. That was called your lusts. Of course, lust will also you know, expand to other areas. So prayer, you're asking God to do something for you so you can show off. Three things are in this world. The loss of the eyes. The loss of the flesh. And what? The boastful pride of life. The pride of life. Asking God to do things simply because you want to show off. You're asking God to do things because you want to, you know, Christmas is coming. I have to be able to go and let them know that me too. You know that kind of attitude. Okay? You're asking God to do things. And let me say something to you. Hmm? Very important. In this life... You must always pray, Lord, search my heart. The heart of man is deceitful. That is, it can deceive the owner of the heart. And let me tell you what they call deception. It means you believe it as true. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The person that is deceived, we pass a lie detector test. Did you catch my point? You know what they call the lie detector there's a lie detector machine and test that people can use to try and see whether you are lying because of the way your brain responds and your pulse and your heart rate and your eye movement. Okay? Those things are only work. They only work if you know you are lying. Do you get my point? If you think you are telling the truth, they won't work. So the person that is deceived you get my point? We pass the lie detector test because he believes, she believes the thing that he's saying or she's saying. 
absolutely convinced about it, but it is still false. Let me just teach you small English on the side. There's one English a lot of people misuse a lot. Have you ever heard this thing before? This somebody is a pathologic liar. Have you heard it before? You've heard it before? Now, what does it mean? Just answer me that there's no catch. You are likely to get it wrong, and I'll correct you. Don't be embarrassed. Most people don't know, too. So, you're not alone. What's the pathological lie? Who can tell me? <laughs> eh? It's always telling lies. Every little thing, he must lie. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not the meaning of pathologic lying. It's a misuse of the expression. Let me just teach you small English now. Now, it won't help you much in life because you'll be like the odd one out. Everybody says it wrongly. <laughs> What's a pathologic lie? I'll tell you. It's a terminology used in psychiatry to describe people that have dementia. They truly have honestly forgotten. So when they are telling you, they are telling the truth. But because they have a brain disorder, that's why we call it pathologic. Lie based on disease. So actually, you're supposed to pity a pathologic liar, not be angry with him. He has forgotten. He honestly has forgotten. So it's one of the features of certain brain disorders, pathologic lying. So, but in the society, they don't know the meaning. They use it anyhow to describe a bad person. No, the real meaning means this guy is not dishonest, but his brain is malfunctioning, so he's remembering what is not true. So we call it pathologic. That is, it is based on a disease. You've learned small English today. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. No extra charge, no extra charge. Don't worry about it. Some of you are pretending like you didn't learn it because you think I would charge, all right? <laughs> yeah, seriously, people misuse that a lot. At least you've gotten it now, all right? Now, so this is where I'm going. Deceived people, that's what I'm talking about. Your heart can deceive you. You think you are sincere, but you are just fooling yourself. That's why David told us, taught us to pray, Lord, search my, how did he say again? Try me. Know my heart. Search, you know, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my inward or anxious thoughts. You know, where there's any, you know, the, you know the reason why he's saying like that? You don't even know. Have you ever heard that there's very, very common life? People are praying. Very common. This one, at least I can tell you that you are deceiving yourself. God, please, just give me more money so we can sponsor the gospel. Most people say that. Thing. Nine out of ten of them, they care nothing about the gospel. But that's the only way they know to get something from God. Just go and tell him it's for the gospel. They are praying to God, Lord, you are going to give me money, please. I'm begging you to give buy a very big car. So that when I drive, they will know my God is good. It's the pride of life. But he wants to say God is for your sake. Oh, you know, say, me, normally I don't worry about things like this. So that's my problem. But you know, you are God, so... You know, I represent you everywhere I go. So bring better motor so that I can say God, God is looking at say, John the Baptist trekked. And I still took my glory complete. My glory in your life is a trekking glory. Yeah. A lot of times people do that. Please, what I've said is very important. Many people have prayed for years with wrong motives, but they, have, they, they, have, they are deceived. And they think they are sincere. The reference is say one of the worst things God can do to you in life, one of the worst punishments from God is to give you over to deception. You hear what I said? Some of the worst things that God can do to a person. The other day, my wife felt like crying. We were watching a video in the house of a so-called transgender 
You know, we don't even know whether to say man or woman. A transgender entity giving a testimony before a, like a public hearing anyway, in the U.S. on legislation. And she, they, they said the legs were there. And they, that's what they call themselves now, they were begging that the, that the people should not allow any person below the age of 18 transition. That's transit, whatever I'm a male, I said I'm, I'm a female now, and vice versa. And why this individual told their experience that they started out, please pardon me using their, I'm really confused as I said they, all right? Started out life as a gay man, a feminine gay man, he said. Now, why I'm confusing my brain is I should see a picture of her. Very, sorry, see, I just said her now. Very beautiful woman. That is, you, first thing that strikes that, wow, this woman is beautiful. But started life as a man. As a man. So, at the age of 22, thereabout, as a university student, they read some article on the transgender ideology and concluded, okay, now I can I say, this young man concluded that he was a transgender woman. What I'm talking about is that if you read it, you see a thoroughly deceived individual. I won't tell, spend much time telling about this, repeating the thing that um, he said, she said, all right? At the end of the day, he decided to transition to be a woman and went the full hog, the full length, cut off his normal male genitals, tried to make female ones for her, which never worked. It was not going to work. It's a lie. She said something at the end. He said, I traded my perfectly normal anatomy for a medically contrived one that doesn't work. That's where I'm going. And now this individual is begging that, please, don't do this to children. He said, now I live with constant back pain because of the estrogen, the female hormones I took for years, trying to become a woman. He said, now I'm trying to go back to being a man. I'm now on testosterone. He said, but how do you go back to being a man without male organs? The painful part for me is that if you listen to him, her talk, all right, you see that this was a confused human being who these medical people in that part of the world decided to deceive. They lied and lied and lied. Now, they are living their lives normally, but this, this, woman, this man has become a caricature of a medical experiment, a deceived person. Please, don't say I can never be deceived. Don't, in fact, once you say it, you are deceived. That means you're already working in deception. How do you handle deception? Get on your knees and say, Lord, please, deliver me from deception. You have to pray. Say, God, please, I'm begging you. Deliver me from deception. The heart is exceedingly deceitful. See, you don't have to be a sinner. A natural heart deceives. If you know psychology, you'll know. One of the reasons why the heart deceives, if you study a bit of Freudian psychology, you'll hear what they call the ego defense mechanisms. One reason why your heart deceives you is trying to keep you sane. It's designed like that. There are experiences that you will pass through. 
and you will almost go mad. The only way your heart can keep you sane is to tell you it never happened. It's called denial. And there's no story they want to tell. You argue it never happened. Why? It's called ego defense. The reason is that if you face up to the, face up to the reality that it happened, you will go mad. So the heart retracts, reconstructs the whole story. Sometimes, I'm sorry to bring this up. I talk to people with politics and I shake my head. I say, Lord, this individual believes this thing. As I ask him, am I normal? Is something wrong with me? When you see what, but I, these days I'm more patient with people because I realize what they are dealing with. They're not dealing with the facts. They are dealing with the implication of truth in their lives. And that's something about doctrine, you must understand. Many people argue with you on doctrine. They're not arguing on truth. They're arguing on the implication of what they are saying. Some people, I will say this one so that those who want to get, who are looking for deliverance can be. You tell them that, listen, the seed is the word of God, not the money you give. They will look at what do you mean. Do you know why? Because for the last 10 years, they went to a church of following a particular pattern of teaching that told them that keep sowing, push seed, more seed. They've done it. It has run into millions and millions and millions consistently over the last few years. And then there's this joker that calls himself Banky who wants to tell them they've wasted time for 10 years. They argue with me, not because they know more scriptures, but because you want to tell me I wasted my life for 10 years. The money I gave, people have used to build houses. The money I gave, people have used to take families abroad on holiday. I have given consistently for 10 years. They're telling me the seed is not, it's, it's not my money. My friend, get out. So that's one reason why you don't bother arguing with people too much. You are arguing on, some, on letters and maybe the spirit of even the letters. They are arguing on personal experience. The implication. They have to own up to the fact that they have lived wrongly. And just by the way. Let me tell you something about God. That's one revelation I have. I got about him. I've heard few other people teach. It happens to be true. This is the word of God. And it's very consoling. Now, I'll first tell you the scripture that give you the revelation, which you've heard before anyway, if you listen to me long enough. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Bear that in mind. What's the revelation? Revelation is that don't worry about yesterday. To him, it can be corrected. Don't ever forget it. People, I've heard preachers I love who I respect say, that's one thing God cannot do. He can't change the past. I said, which God? Which one? Maybe your God has not finished secondary school. My God. My own God. Changing the past is not even advanced level. He can change the past very well. He changed, and maybe people don't know he has changed the past. I'm like, please, I keep on dropping this, my knowledge of, um, my you know, reading of science and advanced physics into my teachings. But it's a fact. I think if human beings can conceive it, it's too small for God to do. Why? Because the Bible says he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, far above. Now, please, let's go over it again. Look at the adjectives. Far above. Now, at least three heavy qualifications to compare what you can think to what he can do. I don't know what I get my point. He's comparing what you can imagine to what he can do. Yet human beings have been able to imagine what they call retro-causality in physics. That is something that happened now is affecting what happened before. Now, let's forget whether it's true or false. They, they'll be able to what? Conceive it. That means it's too small for God to do. 
So time travel is too small for God to do. Why do I say so? Human beings can conceive it. Never forget that thing. Why am I saying so? So don't ever think, don't ever hide, or don't reject truth because it will imply you have wasted time. A lot of people hide from truth because of the implication. You, tell, you want to prove to somebody you made a wrong choice with your life. Now, see, the fellow can reason, can manage life, thinking that things are rough, but my choice was not wrong. It's manageable. But to say you made a wrong choice seven years ago, the person will argue with you for just one simple reason. There's no way of going back to undo it. An ego defense, you will reject that truth. But if you know God, don't worry about it. God says, only acknowledge your iniquity. Just say, Lord, seven years ago, this was wrong. I'm the one that made the choice. I made that decision. I took that action. And it was wrong. God says, fine. Now that we have done that, we have agreed. Let's now go back into seven years. And by the time you see in seven years, and it's now 14 years from the original time, God will make, and that you have to see, never ever build your doctrine on experience. Do you know why? When God turns your mistakes, when he turns it around, you start preaching that mistake as, your, as, as doctrine. Your sin is an iniquity. God will make you look like it's the reason why you are here today. The greatness of your life is based on iniquity. You now go back and say, when somebody, he say, look, this is not, not always as bad as they look. Look at my life now. God said, you see, this is how I kill people now. See, because <laughs> you want to now go around deceiving people. What I did was that seven years after you did what was wrong, you came to me in repentance. And I took my godly hand back and turned that which was evil and made it for good. You now want to teach people that evil is where good comes out of. Thereby teaching them to be presumptuous in their disobedience of me. Bear what I've said in mind. Many people reject doctrine truth because they are afraid. But I'm just adding that one to you. Don't be afraid. The ten years that you, you wasted obeying a wrong doctrine. Don't worry. That's why he's God. That's why he's God. You know, you have to understand some things. I told you I listened to one <laughs> a Nobel Prize winning chemist interviewed Richard Dawkins. And he asked Dawkins, I said, is there no possibility that somebody made everything that we are just discovering the laws? He's not even a, a Christian. Dawkins is a celebrated atheist. Dawkins said, well, well, I'm not open to such a suggestion. Why? He said, for anyone to be able to do that, he has to be incredibly smart. I like the way you are laughing. That's so stupid of a human being to say. I wanted to jump through the screen, except that <laughs> I won't find him there. That that incredibly smart is another name for God. That's why he is God. That's why we call him God. That's why we don't call him Dawkins. That's why we don't call him Richard. I hope I get my point. <laughs> that is why we call him God. That he can do the impossible is the reason why his name is God. I hope you get my point. That he can bring water out of dry, flinty rock is why he is God. 
that he can make mountains shift out of the way for his people to pass is the reason why he is God. He's a, he can easily turn a desert to a blossoming garden. Is why he is God. And for my message today, that he can change the past is the reason why he is God. If he couldn't change the past, he's not yet, he has not graduated into Godship. He's an apprentice God. And we have many apprentice gods around. Look at them sitting all over the place. Children of God. I don't know what you are. We are children. <laughs> Babies of God. Thank you. Babies. We can't do what the Father can do. We now think, therefore, he can't do it. He can do it. You're telling Yes, he can do it. Don't ever forget it. So back to what we say. The heart can be deceived. The heart is deceitful. The reason why the heart tries to deceive us sometimes is because of the consequences of life. We call it ego defense. That's why I went to all of that. But let's bear that in mind. So when you are praying, I drop one prayer point. You must pray that God will deliver you from deception. It's an important prayer. That may you not live a life based on a lie. Say, God, do not allow me to live a life that is based on a lie. Every day, Look, I'll be honest with you. I pray that prayer, not only for myself, because when you're a preacher, you know they call Jerobam risk. <laughs> not only do you sin, you do what? You make others sin. And when God is judging, that's how it is. And James told us, everybody should not want to be teachers. Because they do what? They suffer what? Double judgment. Why didn't people say double blessing? There's no balance in it. If it's right, single blessing. If it's wrong, double judgment. It's kind of life with that one. It's not a good job. You don't be begging for the job. People going to church, hoping they will promote them to become pastor. It's a bad ambition. If I was, if you seek to be a pastor, you 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 are, you are looking for a good job. True of us. Let me be hearing the, the people who are saying true. Whoever desires the office of what? Is this a pastor? Let me tell you the truth. The word bishop is old King James English for modern Bible use the word overseer, deacon. Whoever desires to be the one in charge of chairs. <laughs> overseer of ushers. The Bible never said if anybody desires the office of a teacher. Lie, lie. What he said is that if they offer, decline. Let it be a calling. When you come to church, you want to be responsible. When they say, we are raising money for a building project, and you're an honest person, volunteer. Don't let thieves take it over. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, be a deacon in charge. Three or four of you, take charge of it. That's what it means. What we call bishop in the King James Bible is not the bishop of today. The bishop of those days were below the apostles and the apostle delegates, what we call pastors in today's terminology. They were the people who handled different sections of the church. I'll be getting my point. So the word was overseer. So go and read it now. Who was supposed to appoint them? Timothy and Titus. Did you catch that? Timothy and Titus were supposed to appoint overseers. And he gave them the criteria. But James said, when it comes to teaching, don't offer. You don't desire the office of a teacher. You know why? Every sin, every rubbish you talk, if it's wrong, you have one dose of judgment. Everyone who obeys it, half of their punishment it comes to your table. That is why 
That's where I was going. I pray every day that God, please, let me not tell people that which is not true. One day, one young man called, I think he called him, or he sent a mail. Yeah, he listened to me on radio. Then he sent a mail in panic. Did you hear what I said? You know why? I was saying something on radio. And as a humble man, she would say, I mean, is it not prior if I say that everything I say is correct? I never get it wrong. Lie, lie, I'm wrong. I'm right 100%. Would you like me to be saying that? He said, this pastor is too cocky. Look at his shoulders, higher than normal. That shoulder pad. You know that kind of thing? He said, look at him. Like somebody said, he's prouding. <laughs> look at this man, just prouding all over the place. That's what you've been <laughs> So I just said simply, that of course, anybody can make a mistake. Is there anything that I say that? Sometimes I say things that, that statement that I say, I may say something that's not right. The guy panicked. He wrote me a mail that, sir, I have obeyed everything you said. Don't be wrong. You can't be wrong. That is, don't go near it. No, don't play that kind of rough play. Okay, you are correct. You must be correct. <laughs> Do you know, I was, I was humbled. I've met people many times. Say, look, every decision I have made in the last 10, 15 years, every single one has been because of something you said. I remember that sat me down one day, went to preach somewhere. I mean, I was okay. He would listen to a message, he would finish, get up and go and propose marriage. Why? Because I said something there. Then the person said, I know they marry you. He came back to another message. I said, okay, sir, I finally found out why she said no. They listened to a third message. I went and married another woman. <laughs> I was looking at this guy like this. I was like, are you serious? When I wanted to start a business, there was something I said. This guy said so that his whole life has been built on things that I said. And but right, right now, his sister is building her life on the things I'm saying. And the mother is rearranging that if I enter the house, you'll be hearing Pastor Banker in three different phases. Phase one from one room, phase two from another room, phase three. He's the senior prefect. <laughs> now we may be laughing. Don't I don't take it. I don't find it funny. Scary. So I go home and go and I say, Baba, God, please. See, this is my mouth. You know, say they drive rough. So no matter how roughly it drives, let, let it drive into truth. Yeah, that's what I do. That even if I'm joking, let me utter the truth in the midst of the mess. No matter what I'm doing, let it be that it is your word that is being spoken. Let nobody take a, make a wrong decision in life and say it's because of what I said. Ah, I'm, kid- I'm, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding. I've said it a lot of times. I've just given If I start telling you stories, we'll stay here till evening. People will tell me, say, this woman I married was because I listened to one message. That's why we're married. And he's standing with the wife in front of me. And this baby is because you preached another message. <laughs> the Lord is good. So I'm just emphasizing the fact that the heart can be deceptive. You have to do what? The only cure is just one cure. Two things anyway. Number one, you must love the truth. All right? That says you're on the right path. You must love it. And then number two, you ask for God to help you. There's no other method. There's nothing I can't start telling you. These are the keys. These are the tricks. No. One, basically have a heart that loves the truth and say, Lord, help me. Okay? 
Now, we left the main thing we're teaching to speak about that. So, we read a particular portion of the scriptures, right? James. James said, faith, yes, we're talking about prayer of faith. So, a prayer of faith is one in which the heart is trusting in the Lord, knows the promises, is resolute concerning the fact that help comes from the Lord, and is ready to be patient with him. I'm just summarizing many things. That is what the prayer of faith is. The reason why, as Elijah prayed seven times, he knew that rain would come from God. So basically he was saying, I won't live here until you send rain. I hope you're getting my point. You only say that when you know that the power to bring rain is with him. That's what makes it a prayer of faith. So what are the other prayers? I'm just reminding us. So when we talk about it, we know the prayers that don't get answers. We said prayer of um, competition, prayer based on lust, all right? They don't get prayer. They are prayers of um, unbelief. Prayers of copy. This is how this man said it. Let me do it like that. I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. You're not a believer. You don't have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You don't know the Jesus Christ whose name you are quoting. Yet you are adjuring somebody because that's how Paul got results. That's not a prayer of faith. Okay? We said there's a prayer of show. That is, you see, Jesus said, and he was teaching about prayer. He said, you see those Pharisees, they love to stand, stand in um, the marketplaces, the open places. He said, you see them, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners. On the street corners, so they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. That is, you see, their prayers were said so that men will see their spirituality. Do you get my point? We say these are the people that love our land. So I'm just quoting from the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. So we see there's a prayer of show. That's a prayer that's not of faith. The aim is to show off. And the Lord said it clearly to us, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. That's the purpose. So that all prayers of what? Not of faith. Let's put it that way. Prayers that are not of faith. Okay, so all these prayers, of course, we know they will not receive answers from God. But let's just come, let's come down to ourselves. Hopefully we're not doing that. But while we are praying what we think are prayers of faith, why may we not see the answers? So that we can mitigate against those problems. We can remove those things out of our path. All right, the first one we are going to look at, of course, is that of double-minded, double-mindedness. Again, we'll go back to James. James chapter 1. He said, just to save time, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So, I think we can all agree that being double-minded is, an, is a hindrance to receiving in a prayer of faith. What does it mean to be double-minded? 
We've talked about some of these things before. Like if you go and listen to this series, they fight against unbelief. What does it mean to be double-minded? Uh, let's look for... Let's think about it. What does it mean to be double-minded? The obvious answer is something like, you want something today, you don't want it tomorrow. All right? Does anybody have any other thing that may mean double-minded? Hmm? Okay, will he answer? Will he not answer? Okay, that's also double-minded. Being double-minded. Give me other, other ones. I can't think of everything by myself. Okay, you are praying to God. Your eye is looking elsewhere. Like, who's going to help me? What are my other plans? I have a plan B according to you. Thank you very much. <laughs> you are praying to God. You've got a plan B. Okay, that's another one. Uh, yes, no, really. I know that way we can spend being double-minded. You pray and counsel. How do you do that? Okay, go ahead. Okay, good. Oh, no, that's a very good one. He said, for those who didn't hear, hear him well, he said, you're asking God, for example, for admission of, let me add my own word now, for employment somewhere. You've gone to God to pray. Then you're not talking with your friend. And I say, don't mind these people. It's the people that they know. It's man, no man they are doing. That's double-minded. You are being literally double-minded. That's what you meant by counseling, that you've gone out to use your own mouth to cancel your prayer. That is obonge double-mindedness. <laughs> yeah, people do that a lot. Let me just quickly add to you. You know, we talked about it last time. You have to learn to discipline your mouth once you start praying. You hear what I said? Once you start praying, you have to learn the discipline of an intercessor. The discipline of a supplicant. The discipline of somebody praying to God. You must learn it. It's not everything you use your mouth to say. It's not everything... Even if you are feeling it, don't say it. The mouth must be disciplined. There are statements you don't make, just like he said. You're asking God for admission or for employment. Then you are discussing with people and you don't magnify the power of God. You cancel the prayer. You start magnifying the power of the vice chancellor. You start magnifying the power of the the directors and the big men in the establishment and in government and all of that. Say, this country we are living in, there's no meritocracy. There is no meritocracy. You'll be speaking English, you don't understand. What you have is nepotism. This is gangantuan, gangad, what's the name of guy in the English he speaks? <laughs> Say, this is political skyatica. Economic Ebola. <laughs> if you speaking all kinds of English, say, what is meritocracy? You don't even know. Now, let me just tell you something. If it's meritocracy, you don't merit anything. You that's talking, you merit what? Nothing. So just leave that thing. You know, people just, people like meritocracy when it favors, in fact, they like anything when it favors, when it doesn't favor them. If they are the ones that they brought from the back and put in front, you go to church, praise God, favor ain't fair. Favor is not fair. My God can take the lowest and make him the head. They did not say, I rule in the affairs of man. I give the kingdom to whomsoever I wish, and I set upon them the lowliest of man. When you are the one he's setting up. 
When he says somebody else up, he says, where's his certificate? Is, is that not what we do? We start complaining. Why? It is not us. That is if person did not go to secondary school. Mm, the current one does not have secondary school. I said, okay, you say you remember your scripture. But when, when is your own turn now? That the one is not the one you want. You'll be quoting, you forget it. But if you are the one, it's a testimony. Praise God. You did the way we went for this political screening. Ah, my heart almost fainted. Candidate number one has a PhD. Candidate number two was the best graduating student in the secondary school. He got the highest in jam. Then he, he said, my knees began to knock. Ah, and I said, God, I raised my voice. Then we began to campaign. Do you know, brethren, Jesus said, I will give you a mouth and a wisdom that none of your adversaries can resist or gainsay. When I finish speaking, do you know what the delegates voted for me? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let us assume you are the one with the PhD. You now go to church. Brethren, we need to pray for this country. We need to pray. We just came back from primaries in our party. You know, this is what they call kakistocracy. <laughs> There's a word like that. You may not believe it. There is. There is. There is a word like that. <laughs> the gov- government by the worst of us. Can you believe that guy that only has a school sat? He's the one that won the election to become governor. The primaries. I don't know where this country is going. Let us pray. Father, Father, in the name of Jesus. Those, you start quoting, you've forgotten all the other scriptures. That's what they call double-mindedness. If you want to believe God, believe God. Like I always say, favor is not fair. Not only to you, to everybody else. Just like you know that God can take somebody from the back and bring it to the front. You think you go for an interview one day. You'll be the best. They won't employ you. Now so life be. Don't think that once you come, God forgets his normal character. Let me tell this Christianity here. This Christianity. <laughs> this Christianity. You know, there are testimonies I can't, I can't share from pulpits. See, just tell yourself, am I a Christian or I'm not a Christian? If you're a Christian, you have to obey the terms. Just like you come and give testimonies. When somebody else gives it, also accept it. I hope you're getting my point. Mm-hmm. It's important to you carry your PhD to go and apply for something. They don't employ you. Now remember that they are not fair. They are fair. It's grace that came upon the other person. Favor is not fair. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yes, sir. So really, that's how we cancel. You're very right. When you talk about we cancel our prayers, we are quoting the scriptures in prayer, but when we leave, we cancel. Yeah, that's double-mindedness. Then when we're talking about the war against unbelief. We discussed this since that time. Please go and get the series. We won't have enough time to go into all of that. And there's a practical side which I teach quite a lot, which is in opposition to what many people who, who say they are teaching faith, they teach. And I realize many of the things they call faith is not faith. It's um, a mixture of spiritualism with spirituality. Now, when we use the terminology spiritualism, what we mean is that life has different realms. Let me just say that to us again. You can go to secondary school or university 
and study physics, geography, and agriculture. All right? Stuff like that. And based on your natural studies, okay? Based on natural studies, you know how to control things. Are you getting my point? You can learn irrigation, how to fertilize, how to change the kind of soil you have, and you improve, improve productivity on a farm. I'll be getting my point. These are physical laws. All right? Just as tangible as the laws of physics, which teach you how to connect wires in your house, as the laws of biology, which is applied in agriculture, which teach you, those laws teach you how to manipulate physical things, soil and, the, and water and irrigation to produce crops. In the same manner, there are also laws, okay, let me, before I even get to that, there are mental laws, laws of psychology. If you, in fact, I find it very fascinating. Because this program, we used to watch those on TV, the whole family brain games. You see how psychological principles you do not know exist can be used to control you. And if it's fantastic experiments done, you know, you start wondering whether you're really in charge of your own life. Please go and read my book. Someone is controlling you. That is a matter of fact. Yes. If you see the way the psychological laws, they are there. I don't want to talk about them now. But they can be used to manipulate human behavior. They can be used to manipulate human behavior. So people learn them. So we've got the physical laws. I've gone to the mental realm. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, we've gone to the mental realm. There are different kinds of laws. In fact, I'm so tempted to talk about some of them. But I won't. But just go and read. They are just there. People will manipulate you. You say, say this, this, we have been waiting here for so long. They say, people are here, let's complete, they are still waiting for so long. Say, make the time look short. They won't adjust the time. Every time you come, you wait for an hour, it starts feeling like five minutes. They, uh, yes, they've mentally adjusted a few things. And it's there, people use it for business. They make you leave one shop and go to another. You enter a shopping mall. When they play music, they never play fast music. Because it makes you run fast. Yeah. You enter a mall where they play music, the music must be slow. Because human beings reflexly walk to the tempo of what they are hearing. And, but you didn't know that ShopRite could con- control how much time you spend there. Those are the ones I used to jam music, when I used to drive around a lot. If I want to drive fast, I know what to put. I put priesthood. Go and put priesthood is a Christian rap group. When they are doing doom, you, you'll be running. Go and listen to priesthood. Just go and look for their music, priesthood. But I found out that any time I put the Red Prince, now 15 kilometers an hour I go, reach where they go. When the Red Prince is preaching, two things. Number one, he's talking slowly. Secondly, I'm concentrating on him. I, I, can't, I can't run fast. So psychologists cast, you know, principles are able to manipulate them. The highest level is what the spiritual level. Spiritual level also exists. It it, listen, please get my point. God made the physical level, realm, true of us. He made the mental realm, true of us. He made the spiritual realm just as much. Now, there's a reason why I needed to say that before I say what I want to say so you don't misunderstand me. Just like you can easily conceive of the physical realm working without God. Now, it's not, it's not possible to work, but he has set the laws in motion. But you don't have to pray to him. Do you get my point? No, people are confused. Most people who operate physical things don't pray to God. They just put on the gas and light a, 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 a match, and it starts burning and they cook. 
They don't say, Father God, oh, please let it cook. God has said, as long as earth remains, some things will not cease. In the same manner, when it goes to the, the spiritual realm also, it's not all of them that will pass through God. It's whether you know them or you don't know them. So you can go to school, just like somebody learns physics, and learns biology and agriculture, and manipulates life. You can also go to a school where they teach how to manipulate spiritual things. And a lot of people who teach, even in church these days, they are not teaching true spirituality. They are teaching a class of subjects called spiritualism. So they can tell you how to meditate in the morning and control what comes to you that day. This is not psychology now. It's spiritualism. They tell you how to focus on something and make it happen to you over the next one week. And they write books. It's called New Age Movement now. Americans are learning. Europeans are learning it. Why? They're not just all deceived. Of course, they are deceived as a real truth, but they are getting results. But those who don't know, they are fascinated. That's why clowns will come when they've learned small spiritualism. They wear a suit and put a signboard there. The Christian Church of Synagogue thinks. And people will come there and say they've come to church. And somebody is spiritually, not psychological, of course they use psychology, it's part of it, but is spiritually manipulating them and helping them to use spiritualism to get results. You can come to the man and tell you, okay, don't worry. Okay, this one requires, like I said the other time, seven bulls and seven rams. That's why you want to go and meet God, the judge. Sometimes you don't want to meet God, the judge. You want to meet God, the weather controller. It's the same God. He said that requires two bulls and one ram. And I'm not saying that works. I'm just giving an idea. And they do it every day. Every time you enter a shrine, that's what they are doing. That's why Paul had to say, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or the flesh, but they are what? Mighty how? Through God. For us, Christianity, everything passes through God. So we don't get involved in what is negative. Evil spirits, because that's what they do. They are very good with that. They jump into those people that start using spiritualism. People can look at you through spiritualism, know what's in your mind. They are not operating word of, word of knowledge. Why am I saying that? Please. A lot of people came to church and started teaching us spiritualism. Many people have results to show, but it's not Christianity. I'm talking specifically about one area. You say, well, do you want this kind of phone? See it every day. Please, that's not Christianity. Be looking at it. Don't take your eyes away from it. The more you see it. In fact, John G. Lake, one of his books, I read it long ago. He said one day, he didn't even say it was God, though. That as a young boy, he followed his father to one particular office. That that office was, you know, they went up by private elevator. They entered. The man had the massive office. That the rug was so thick, as a young boy, he wanted to remove his feet from his shoes and wiggle his toes, toes in the rug. And then he looked at the big table the man had. And in what they call, is it Mother of Pearl? A big mahogany table. Written in Mother of Pearl was the man's name, John A. McCall, something like that. He said, as a little boy, he looked at that office and his soul desired it. It made an impression on him, printed on his soul. He said, one day, 
Some men started a business. He was in his 30s. They wanted him to be the general manager. For this, they were negotiating. Finally, they came to his terms. They came to an agreement. And they said to him, we have something for you. And they took him to his office. He said, an exact replica of that office he saw at a little boy. There's o- the only difference was that instead of John A. McCall, it was John G. Lake. He said, I never uttered that desire to a soul. I never told anybody. Some 20 years later, after the first day he saw it, a replica of it was created, and they said, this is your office. He walked in there, and he recognized this office. Some of us go and teach it as the work of God. It's not. Why? Because when God called that young man, he told him to leave everything, including everything. Go and preach the gospel in jungles. People go around preaching it. And then, again, see the spiritual thing. You have to be very careful. What ends up happening is that we take what looks like a good spiritual law. We now use it to service the flesh. So all of us are going around now creating offices in our brains. They are meditating on motoka. Anytime you go to YouTube, you go and watch a review of the latest Bentley. Let me just ask something about Bentley, in case you do not know. It gets to the same place that the Corolla gets to. It's a revelation. Write it down. <laughs> Telling you, years ago, because my wife used to do business and I used to help her with some research. When I finished researching on wristwatches, I told myself, when I was younger, I used to say, look, one day it's a sign of prosperity. I'll just buy a Rolex and be wearing it like me. After I did my research, I said, I don't want money or no money, I ain't buying. Because I found out that if I spend $100 on a quartz watch, I get more precision timing than a $5,000 Rolex. What am I doing? Stop using your spiritual energy to focus on, <laughs> focus on earthly things. Please, I've explained all of this to let us understand something about double-mindedness. You know what we're talking about? An easy way to be double-minded is to focus your spiritual mind on the material thing. That's how to be double-minded. Get away from it. People preach it all the time. I'm telling you, get away from it. Write it on the wall. Print it on the wall. Meditate on it. It's generation of double-mindedness. Because as you are looking at one thing, a new one will come. And then you now say, Lord, ah, yesterday I told you I wanted the 2022 model. But, of course, by that time it's now the end of 2023. And they have already started showing of the 2024 model. Let's start all over again. Of course, there was, it's called planned obsolescence. They planned it. It's a mental thing. They are working on your brain. Nothing wrong with the old one. They just change the shape, change the color, and put the new year on it. And you think you have a newer thing. You don't have anything newer. The guy just want to sell something, make you feel inferior. The one you have already. It's one major way by which people become double-minded. I hope you're getting my point. So we proceed then. Please, I, I said everything I said to let us know that don't get carried away by testimonies. People can testify and testify and testify. Don't let your testimony go beyond the ask God and he gave me. Do you get what I'm saying? That's all. I ask God. And let me tell you something about God. It's not only what you ask, He gives. Sometimes you ask for something. He reads your mind well. Because, you see, you are speaking, He knows what you are saying. And because He loves you and you have an open heart towards Him, 
It gives you what you are really asking for, which you close it in wrong words. I don't know whether I get my point. Yeah, he does that. He does that. Sometimes you're asking, Lord, give me more money. Why? He said, because maybe I want to get something done. He just asked for money. And he heard, I want to get this done. He didn't say, I want to get this done. So by the time he finished praying, three days later, he comes, the thing has been done. You want to really go and meet him? Say, Lord, I don't need that money again. Say, I know. And that's what you needed it for. All this bigger money you're asking for, it's not so you can get a bigger house. Now I've dashed you a big house. Can we have some peace? I hope you're getting my point. The God we are serving can give you what you did not ask for. There are things you deliberately forgot to ask him for. And he said, that thing I will give you. Case in point, Solomon. Ask me for anything. Solomon said, well, the problem I have right now, let's not lie, is the kingdom you have given me to rule. So what should I, what, what, what should I do for you? I beg, make me a good king by giving me wisdom so that I can be an effective shepherd to your people. Because what about the money? Say, Lord, the money will come later, but right now my problem <laughs> is how to be a good king. What about your enemies? Ah, Lord, we'll handle that later, but my problem is how to be a good king. What about long life? Say, be the man that is living that can be a good king. Lord, I beg you. <laughs> if, if I die now, it's not really a problem because <laughs> the issue is let me be a good king. Because listen to me. See that wisdom you have asked for, I will give you. Now, every other thing you did not ask for, I will add to it. I will give you so much money that no king will arise that will be as rich as you. I will give you so much wisdom, no king will arise that will be as wise as you. Let nobody tell you that it's only what you ask God that he gives. Sometimes he has tied some things. He has tied them, tied them. You, are not, you didn't know they were tied. But, so you ask for the main thing, the, the attached thing is added to you. Have you read that thing before? Who said it? Christ Jesus. Well, how did he say it? Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all other things are what? Attached. I've been tied. How not to be double-minded? Take your eyes away from material things. Fix them. Like I said, when you want to pray, bring scripture. Stop, stop doing too much calculation. I told you before. Ask, tell God the problem. Don't tell him how to solve it. I hope you're getting my point. Show him the problem, show him the promises. He said, now, Lord, please solve it. How we solve it, let that be his own issue. The major reason, therefore, we don't receive from God is what? Double-mindedness. Double-mindedness. And we've given a few examples of what double-mindedness might be. Let's leave that. Next point on why we don't receive from God. We mentioned this earlier when we're talking about prayers that may not be of faith, but let's just go over there. Let's read the scripture, James chapter 4. Wrong motives. Let's just read the, the scriptures associated. James chapter 4. He said, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. The reason why you don't have what you want is why? You don't ask God for it. He said, even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. 
You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Let's stop reading there. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself what? An enemy of God. What's the point he's making here? That the reason why people don't get is because they ask with wrong motives. And look at the foundation, jealousy. Next point, focus on the issues of the world. Three things John said there in the world. The loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, and then the pride, the boastful pride of life. So anytime we're asking God, and those are the things that are stimulating our desires before him, then he has decreed that he will not answer. Let me just quickly say this again to us. It is possible to harass God so much until he gives you something that you've been asking for that he doesn't want you to have. See, there's a fine line, an important thing we must learn. First, let me say say this way. Nobody should tell that God never says no. When it comes to material things, he does say no. I hear people say that God doesn't ever say no. I don't know where you got that from. He does say no. Why? Just a simple logic. Just a simple logic of being a father. You can ask for something and he will say, I don't want you to have it. So how do I know when God says no? And it's a very important um, point, principle in life for Muslim. How to recognize when God is saying no. Now one of the things about God's no is they are often temporary. They often are time bound. What I mean by time bound is that let me, I just want to adapt a particular scripture. So there are things I want to tell you, but you can't bear them now. So there are things he may want to give you, but you can't do them now. I hope you're getting my point. There's a reason why I'm adding that one. So, one way by which you know God is not giving you something is because it hasn't come. <laughs> You're waiting for a big revelation, right? That's profound revelation I just gave you there. It's very important what I'm saying. And that way you know God has not given you something that is not coming easy. It's coming the hard way. What do I mean by the hard way? He said, the kingdom of God is like when a man plants a seed and he goes to sleep and he comes up next day and he goes back to sleep. Day by day he goes to sleep, using the Amplified. He said, the earth by itself produces first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. He now said, when the crop permits, some scripture versions will say, when the crop is mature, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has what? Has come. What do I mean by that? Now, I'm not saying we should be lazy, but within the limits of reasonable diligence. There are things that will refuse to come. The example I like all the time is that when we were young, we used to stone mangoes. Some of us could climb trees, some of us couldn't climb trees. And then some of the trees in my secondary school, I went to secondary school where there are a lot of mangoes. It's like going to school in Agbani, you know that kind of thing. How many of you have been to Agbani? You know, they have a lot of mangoes there. Mangoes every day. That's how my secondary school was. It was a big Anglican school. But I, you know, in this kind of those schools of those days, big compound. You know, we had all kinds. Of, we have about uh, 
four games fields, you know, football, lawn tennis, another part of the school. We had them, uh, and that's not our games hall, at the games hall, you know, big compound those days. So mango trees everywhere. Some of them have been growing for 50 years before the school was founded. <laughs> so they are so high. Do you know mango can go tall? And the, the, you know the annoying part? Those very tall ones, they bear fruits too. So you just stay here, be looking at the mango. And these are what you call GS1 children now. Short, short children. That's the emphasis. We're looking at the mango. So the only thing we can do is stone them. And I remember very well, we'll throw stones until we break some mangoes to pieces, some fruits. They won't come down. The Bible says they have not yet permitted. The ones who are ready, once you hit the stalk, bam, it just falls off. You can't catch. And that thing stuck in my head. When the crop permits, the crop that is ready is easy to take off the stalk. The one that is not ready, you will pull it. The tree will be following you. Have you done that before? You pull it like this, and finally you bend it. After a while, give me a knife. You now use knife to cut. It's not ready. Why are you killing this thing? That's what God meant when he said, when the crop permits, he puts in the sickle, the harvest has come. You know when the grain is, grain is ripe, when the fruit is ripe for harvesting. That's why I say, you want to acquire something that is big, and all the generosity in your life disappears. Just know God has not yet given you. You go and buy a house, now you can't buy, you can't buy a drink because you bought the house. Please sell that house and go and drink. Like somebody said, it's a joke, but it's very true. If I had a sister that sent it to me, that they said, Pastor, I know this is the kind of thing you will like. The man says, Stop seeing a bag of cement in every money you make. <laughs> he said, If the money you have cannot solve the problem you have, eat that money. <laughs> the man said, What are you doing now? He said, I am eating this money. I like that principle. <laughs> Save the money you have cannot solve the problem you have. Eat the money. <laughs> you are saving to buy a car. Now you can't eat. It's the devil that wants to give you a motto. If that car comes, you go jam. She you know I won't lie to you. You have not see. It's not like you like beans, so. But you have been eating bees now because they say it's rich in protein. <laughs> because it's rich in protein. Why? You can't buy fish, you can't buy meat, you can't buy eggs. Why? Because you want to buy a motor car. Ah, your stupid car. <laughs> Come on, friend, go and, go and enter a Kenta bus and go and eat. Do you get my point? That's what they said. Crop permits. That's what I mean. Crop permits. If you are building a house, it should not affect whether your children can eat ice cream or not. If it's affecting it, that house is not blessed. Don't say, children, well, look, we have to cut our coat in this household. We have to cut our coat. It's time we move. We stop being tenants. We'll not be landlord. So that the children are looking like, how's our problem? <laughs> say, all trips to the mall, suspended. They're looking at you. Daddy, there's nothing wrong with this household. Ah, 
They are suspending trees to the mall because of what? How do you make us suffer so much because you want to be landlord? That, I'm serious about it. Please, don't, don't kill yourself because you want to do a big thing. You can't enjoy small. It's, it's a sign that, that, you are not yet, that you are not ripe for it yet. Bishop Oedipo used to say, and I quote that, quote that a lot. He said, life is in phases. Men are in sizes. He said, leave your size time. That's why I said, no, so, now, can I digress? The one will not concern me. I will go. Let me do it small. <laughs> People are saving that they want to go for family holiday. They'll be saving. I think it's a bad thing. Do you know what I said? Saving to go for family holiday is not good. Pastor Frankie, do you know holiday is important? Open your Bible. Show me where it is written. It is sleep that is important. Who said you can't sleep in your house? <laughs> no, my brother said that day, he told me, he said, ah, that he carried family to Abuja. I said, it's good. So you prefer this call that Abuja is a holiday spot. You'll be saving money and say they are carrying family abroad. It's because of you that dollar is going to 1,000. You know, I've been telling you for a long time. You know, a lot of the pastors have been warning us about 1,000 naira for a long time. Yes, now it's bad habits. That's it, don't go abroad for holiday. That's it, so. What did I say? If you have to be saving for it, it you never reach. Stop pretending. Transfinancial. You, you don't have that problem. <laughs> go to the one you can afford. The, money, the ticket money now for one person to reach Europe now. Hey, bros. That's Nikon Hilton, you know, for your whole family. For the weekend. And listen, shopping are shopping. The rest is in your mind. There's nothing you are buying abroad, they don't sell in Lagos. Oh, Ninja. Abuja, there. Go. Just tell everybody, we are traveling for holiday. When they see you after two weeks, we don't know where you go. You are a black person, there's nothing like tan. You can't tan. <laughs> black, you went, black, thou has returned. There's- <laughs> I see black people say they want to go and lie down on the beach. Are you stupid? What the black person? <laughs> You've been black for a long time. You don't want to turn yellow because you laid on the beach. What am I trying to say? Don't give yourself unnecessary stress. <laughs> You'll be saving money because you want to go abroad for holiday. Please go to Calabar for holiday. That way you don't have to save. So people will be paying for tickets six months after they returned. You don't know? Ah, why can't I go tell you pay small, small? <laughs> I mean, let me sit on my message, before. Like I said, that was in the Apropo business. No, just small digression. The emphasis is this. Leave your size by what? By time. When the crop permits, that's what I'm going to emphasize. Many people are looking, you know, please. Your neighbor is much richer than you think. Oh. Just because you live in the same neighborhood. Like somebody said, because we're in the same environment, does not, does not matter the same climate. Oh. Some financial climate in the next house. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> the is humility that's making him live next to you. What he can afford. <laughs> Some of these people you see going around normally, driving those their small, small cars. Their bank balance is measured in U.S. dollars. $2.5 million, which they don't, like somebody told Lokemi, do you have money you are not using? Money they are not using. 
Like you ask me one day. I don't know whether he saw my alert or something. He saw, ah, daddy. Okay, I told him something. One money that came to my hand. He said, eh, are you using it? <laughs> I this guy. Are you, am I using the money? No, the expressions that you are not even familiar with. <laughs> What's the point I'm making? Look, don't compare yourself with somebody who's living next door. So women will now be looking, tell their husband, eh, next holiday, me and my, come here and the children go to Europe. And the man is looking like, do you know how they're selling dollar now? Eh, but my mama and my mama can't next door, they've gone now. Do I know what Baba Maka does? Do I know the call of God for his life? Let's just leave it like that. The Lord is good. Mm-hmm. Please don't give yourself the attention that God didn't give you. If you must travel, go to Abuja. This is Enugu. At least you have left Biafra. You have gone to... <laughs> See, plane now, plane. Put your children on a, a bomb air. Air peace. Let them fly. From Abuja, they fly somewhere else. They, do, they don't enter a plane. Abi? What are you talking about? Then put them in one very decent little hotel in Abuja. Let them stay there for a few days. Then every day you go out in a nice car, go to the mall, shop around. All of this, you have not finished ticket money for, for two of those children. I'm telling you, look. Since past money, nine make Bobo Sabi chop life. Oh. That's the advert of um, Sunshine Bobo. Okay, star. Uh-huh. Say, look, it's sense. It's sense they used to eat life. Are you getting my point? Yes. Want to enjoy yourself? Use your sense. Who am I talking to today? I can't seem to leave that. Some of, some of you. Look, all that money you have saved for holiday, I hereby claim 10%. Because see what I've saved you now. Can't you? <laughs> The Lord is good. I don't, I don't even know how we got there. I don't know if I forgot. I'm just trying to help somebody. So, we're talking about what? We've talked about wrong motives, right? Yes, okay. The other reason why we have, uh, what do you call it? Lack of, we don't receive answers from, from God. Hebrews chapter 4, quickly, let's read that. We'll not be able to finish it like I felt it might happen. Hebrews chapter 4. And by the way, some people are saying that, Pastor, all this one you have said, Flying to Abuja is not, is not, I can't even do that one. Uh-huh. Is that not the point I'm making? But as you can drag the children to the mall. Let them eat anything they want to eat. Do you follow my point? Yes. I'm just trying to see that, look, you can decide to have your holiday anywhere. Relax yourself. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. Don't let anything in life put you under tension. The pressure that God did not give you, that only the world is giving you. You know, you know, we're on long holiday now. Some people are not at peace yet. You know why? They don't know how their children will go back to school. I will not be able to test the story of which part of Europe they went to. So, some people think that this is what I'm saying. You know, I think you would like to preach like this. I thought everybody was normal. As I began to grow, I found out that the world was full of abnormal people. And they are the ones I'm trying to correct their brains. Do you know there are people who will change the school of their children this holiday? Simply because they don't know how to go back to school. And the children will not be able to say, oh, yeah, you know, we were in Paris for like two weeks. After that, we now went to Belgium. We finally came back one week before. You know, the the children cannot be taught that degree of lie. So the person finds it easier to remove them from one school and go to another school. 
So nobody can say, where did you spend long holiday? It sounds crazy. Do you know people do it? I've seen people, they're under tension. And that is because of them, God is taking dollars. God said, this is the rich one time, I want all of you. Why? I don't want you to be able to buy it. Seriously. It sounds fun. Do you know there are people listening to me now? This thing that we are laughing over is the deliverance they need. One woman, her husband is very rich. So one day she noticed that anytime she goes to her children's school, not in any go here. Somebody will come to carry, the, bring the children to school today in a Lexus Jeep. The same person will come tomorrow, bring the same children in a, a, a what they call it, a G-Wagon. Then come the following day, all right, bring the same children in, a, in, a, in one golf, you know, oh, not golf, one Passat, all kinds of things. Ah, the woman I realized what was going on. We are competing. She said, no problem. You know how she solved it? She brought her children on a motorbike. <laughs> and what bathroom slippers? Wow. Yes. She said, let me break this thing. I'm not competing with anybody. She said, I came with motorbike. Now, she has cars in her house. Her husband is very well to do. She said, but no, I'm not doing. So I told the children, yeah, everybody entered this bike. They went to school. Came down from a bike. So everybody will be looking. All of you should look. Tomorrow they'll come in one old taxi. Hey, after she had done a number of days, so everybody say, I'm not the competitor now. So if I bring my big motor, it's not competition at all. I can bring anything. I, in fact, one day all of us go jog, come school. I'm serious. Well, whoever I'm helping today, the Lord has helped you. Let me preach my message. Where were we? Hmm? Hebrews chapter 4, yes. That's a chapter 4. I actually say 4. With this in my mouth. God forgive me. Hebrews chapter 6. The book of Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to read um, verse 10. He said, For God is not unjust, so as to forget your work, and the love which you have shown towards his name, in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. So as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. So that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Notice that verse 12 is the reason why I read all of this. That you, he said, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. He said, those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. One reason why people don't get answer to prayers is impatience. What did I say? Please stop setting time for God. I have told God that by the end of this year, I've heard that thing many times, I don't think it's right for you to put God on that kind. Of, you can make your desires. You can have your desires. But don't put him under that time pressure because it puts you under unnecessary faith pressure. Do you get what I said? So that you, you are tipped into unbelief. You say this thing must happen by so and so by the 15th of December, this must have happened. God says, all right, my plan is for 17th of December. The moment 15 comes, you lose faith. Even that 17 does not happen anymore. I hope you're getting my point. 
I want to tell everybody, please stop setting dates for Please, I'm not saying you can't have desires. But you don't set time for God. And one thing about the Lord is that any time he comes is the right time. You know, they came to him and said, Rush, he's about to die. He said, there's no need. I am the resurrection and the life. Anytime I get there is the right time. If I get there, he's dead. I will wake him up. Is the reason why he did not rush to come down to where Lazarus was. He said, what difference does it make? Anytime I get there, he will get up. And I'm saying to you, anytime God shows up is the right time. People promise you, you know, miracle now, now, now. Come. Oh, God. I want to enter it again. They say you can provoke the urgent response of God by your seed. Is a liar. Did you hear what I said? Some of you look like you believed it. How much have you provoked by your seed? See, there was a man that was delaying his life. He planted that seed. Is the way we raise money. That's not a joke. There's no truth in it. Absolutely no truth. Because I'm saying, I know you hear it all the time. You will soon get, you will go home and tune television. Nobody will tell you. Calling right now and say, man of God, I want this thing to open by tomorrow morning. Here is my seed to break the seal. There is no seed that breaks any seal. It may rhyme, but it's false. Did you hear what I said? You can't use your seed to make God hurry up. You can't say, Lord, when I give to you, you will buy fuel. Then you move quicker. It doesn't work like that. Because these are things people hear and they believe and you wonder, where did they get it from? Just a delay in your life. Today I'm come with an anointing to break the power of delay. Somebody say delay. Delay. Delay will come to an end. There was a problem. Then they started telling stories. You know, that day I went to, I went to worry. And I saw a man that they had been owing. He did a contract five years ago. And I said, God, you need is a seed. Do you know he planted the seed before the service was over? They paid him. He will be jumping up and down. Did that thing happen? Nine times out of ten you hear it, it did not happen. Say, Pastor Man, you agree one out of ten happened. Yes, but it's not you. And yours is not going to happen. Trust me. You can't pressure God. I hope you're getting my point. You cannot use your seed to pressure him. One major reason people don't receive from God is simply because they think that they can determine the time, tell God when he's going to do his thing. You know many people that God end up doing something for in the scriptures? They were the ones that like, God, I beg go. Are you sure about this? They were even the ones pulling back. I don't know whether you get my point. Yes. They were the ones like, ah, they came to Moses, go and deliver the people. <laughs> Moses said, that was when I was young. I am retired. I said, good, I was waiting for you to get tired. Because if I, if I had sent you when you had the energy, you'll be taking the glory, you'll be competing who owns this glory. Do you follow my point? When Sarah heard she was going to be a child, she, you know, it wasn't, she, please, let me get, she wasn't mocking God though, when she laughed. It was so wonderful that she laughed. Where am I going? Sometimes, what you call, that is, when God, when God comes with his own miracle, when he comes, so please, don't put him under the, in fact, 
I have found out the more you put God under pressure, the less faith you have. Because those that believe, they don't make haste. Sometimes I've seen it again and again. Personal life, people's testimonies and all of that. I said, God waits until you are tired. You know drowning man? You know the story of a drowning man? As long as he's struggling to survive, they don't rescue him. Why? You pull the pest, the rescuer down. So when the man has gotten tired, he has inhaled a few millimeters of water. He's about to pass out. They now pick him up because this is your struggle. It's not necessary. Let's help you the way you should be helped. Because if we come and say, relax, don't hold us, you make the two of us drown. So I've heard a story before that those who want to rescue somebody who's drowning, if you are coming physically, you don't reach for that guy while he's still grasping because you hold your leg. Instead of one person drowning, two will now drown. So sometimes you wait for when the guy disappears underwater and he doesn't come up again. That's when they rush him and bring him out. Say, now he has no energy. He can be helped. That's also exactly what God did with Moses. One reason we don't receive from God is what? Impatience. Impatience. He has to do it now, when I want it. Let me just say something to you. Don't forget, God has an agenda. He has a plan. He has a place he's going. And one of the things I'm learning in this life is not to, look, nobody, everybody's not moving at the same pace in life. Like I said the other time, I'm learning it now. Parents, learn it. Don't just fire off your children every time they finish secondary school. Hey, off to university. Sometimes you say, hey, off to Bible school. Sometimes go and work for one year. Seriously, I've learned it. Just go and work, go, go and work for one year. Go to church five, six times a week. Walk morning till afternoon. Evening, you're in church. You're praying. You are learning scriptures. Say, so go and do that for one year. At the end of one year, we'll decide where you are going. Because you know what I found out? Wherever you get to in this life, you will still get there. You will still get there. I have seen God shorten time. That is, what people accomplish in three years, somebody will accomplish in one year. What people accomplish in five years, somebody will accomplish it in one year. What people are accomplishing in 10 years, you see, this man started one, two years, he has accomplished it. And you're wondering, like, ah, how long have you been doing this? Instead of saying, only two years ago. Ah, but we, we, it took us 10 years to get here. It's called a quick walk, called short in righteousness. God knows what he's doing. So I've learned uh, nothing, putting, oh, I pray we'll learn it. Don't put yourself under any pressure. I like the way some people, Americans, they do it. A young man will finish school, maybe university, now decide that. Where you're walking, I say, no, he doesn't want the ones to drive across the continent. You start from one end of the country, enter a motor, and carry a few books and be reading. Stay in a cheap motel so that he won't spend too much money. Buy food on the say, What are you doing? He said, He wants to spend a year just connecting with the universe. <laughs> connecting with the universe. Sometimes we Christians need to spend time to, to connect with God. There's nowhere. See, there's nowhere you're running to in this life. There's nowhere. Don't let anybody deceive you. Guinness Book of World Records doesn't carry you anywhere in this life. The first to do this, the one that did it the longest doesn't mean nothing. Guinness Book has all kinds of crazy records. There are people who jump on one leg. Yeah. They are there. You have people who have combed hair the longest. I hope you're getting my point. Let me tell you something about destiny. You know it anyway. It's nothing new. The person who affected this earth the most lived very short a life physically. Jesus Christ, that's his name. 
When did he die physically? 33, thank you. Let's even leave him. The greatest prophet of all the prophets of the old order. What is his name? John, thank you very much. John the Baptist. At the age of 30, they beheaded that guy. You know, he didn't build the house. Yet the testimony of Jesus is that none was as great as John. Please relax. One major reason we don't receive from God is what? Impatience. It's impatience. All right? All right. The Lord is good. Um, okay, maybe next time I come, uh, next time we return, we will finish two more things about that. But let me just remind us of one thing that just I, I cap it with that impatience matter. And that is people don't receive from God is that they don't recognize his method. Do you know? Why did Jesus say that the Pharisees, they love to pray openly in the synagogues and the street corners? You think they were praying about food? You think they were praying about raiment? No, think about it. What is the show off in that I, I stand in the corner? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my family that you will settle us. Lord, I pray that you will give us plenty of money. Is there need to show off in that? No, think about it. Is there need to show off in that? No. You don't show off praying personal prayers. You only show off with intercessory prayers. Yes. Go and read it. The Bible says that they were waiting for what? The consolation of Jerusalem. So the prayers they were praying that Jesus was referring to that they were showing off was the prayer for the consolation of Jerusalem. They were the prayers for the salvation of Israel, for the consolation of Jerusalem, for deliverance from oppression. So that's why they will stand and say, Lord, this nation, we are your people. Deliver us. Deliver us. Yes, you can show off with that. That was all they were praying, showing off, concerning. This is where I'm going with the whole stuff. For decades, they were praying. Then the day deliverance came, they crucified deliverance. They did. They did. They were very angry. You know why they were angry? Nobody had come like Jesus who mobilized the crowd with no effort. He could easily have gotten them to do anything. I remember one movie I saw, one of the Jesus of Nazareth of those days that we saw. I don't know which one of them. There were many of them. One of the zealots came to him. Maybe it was one that became Simon the zealot. I said, you're been already waiting for your orders. Because they saw, this was somebody who could do like this. And one million people would follow him. They were waiting for them to start. He now started preaching one nonsense preaching. He, he said many nonsense things, so, but the most nonsensical of the things that he said, as far as they were concerned, love your enemies, that was very stupid. <laughs> he now even was in that said, do good to them that despitefully use you. What are you talking about? These Romans? He said, they say, go with me one mile. Go with them two. So guys, crucify him. He's not the one. He'll crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. That was the reason they crucified him. Many of us, that's why we don't receive from God. We don't know the methods that he's using. And that is why, don't ever bother praying unless you are learning precepts. Because many people, they reject the answer that God sent to them. Yes. Best example all the time. I'll come back and pick it up from this particular point. 
This issue of us rejecting the, um, the answers of God because we don't know his methods. People often reject the answer of God because they don't, they don't know his methods. A lot of people who, let me be, maybe be a young woman. Of course, there's nothing wrong with Look, listen. When I say we should endure hardship, I didn't say we should love punishment. Though. I hope you know we are not gluttons for punishment. Let me just tell you. If you see soft bed and you see hard bed, please, don't say Pastor Pange said be a good Christian, sleep on the hard one. I didn't say so. Please, sleep on the soft one. Okay, now. I'm not telling you now that uh, as a child of God, if I say an air-conditioned room, I'll go to the one that is hot and smoking like a furnace. No. If you see AC room, brethren, choose it. It's the will of God. Paul, Paul, you know Paul, Paul, Mr. Suffer number one. Read all. There's nobody that suffered like Paul in that New Testament that you know. Especially among the apostles. When he wants to brag on his call to ministry, it's how much they beat him. He made the brag on the offering. He was bragging on the beating. Apostle of suffering. Okay? Yet, he wrote to, 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 to Timothy. He said, tell them to learn to put their faith in God. Who gives us all things to enjoy? Paul, to know enjoyment when they see him. I hope you're getting my point. So I'm not saying that uh, to enjoy is not uh, of God. It's just what you love first. Let me tell you something about God. What you put in the first position is the most important thing to him. Seek your word. First. That one came and said, I will follow you, but let me go and first bury my father. That was the problem Jesus had with him. The first. The first. Okay? That's just the thing. So, the pleasure of God must be first. The will of God must be first. The plan of God must be first. You see that second position, eh? Good things the fuller. God doesn't have any problem. Just make sure his will is what? First. So, please, don't get me wrong. So, as a young woman, if you pray to God, I want to serve you, I want to please you, but can me and my husband have plenty of food to eat? Nothing wrong with it, though. Can we have abundance of material things? In fact, Jesus said like this, seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness. And what will happen? Will be what? Maybe you will have. Is that what he said? What did he say? It will be added. In fact, many people don't know. When he said, blessed are those who thirst, who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be what? Filled. What he meant is that all their material needs will be met. So nobody is saying that you shouldn't want prosperity. In fact, God helping me, when I finish this grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, eh, I'm going to teach on the law of prosperity. Yes. If I forget, eh, you remind me, thank you. Yeah, that's the thing just on my heart. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. So don't think that um, I'm a gluten for punishment. <laughs> See, prosperity does not carry you to heaven. Amen? Amen. Neither does poverty. Let's just get it clear. None of them will carry you anywhere. He's doing the will of God. Do you follow my point? Uh-huh. Some of my two brethren were talking one day. One said that, oh, this is your knowledge. God does not, does not, how does he say it again? God does not need all this knowledge. The other one said, no, does he need all this ignorance? <laughs> all this, I don't know book, does not glorify God. I know too much book, does not glorify God. Let's just get it clear. Because so people will not be going around because, they, because you know, they all hate rich people say, 
The rich people are not going to enter heaven. Listen to me. The poor people are not going because of poverty. It is faith. Do you follow my point? I just need to emphasize that. So, back to where I was saying. So, many young people happens. Commoner with women. A few crazy men exist, but this is normal with women. They're not crazy, they're just normal. Any man that's like that is crazy, okay? A lot of normal women, they want to marry rich. And sometimes our cultures actually demand it. As a Christian, it's forbidden. Do you understand? Yes. You know why? Because it is not possible. Not That's not the only reason, okay? But I just want to use that one. God wants to bless you, but how do you know the person that will be rich tomorrow? You actually, there's no way of knowing. The rich guy today can become broke. That is, in fact, that one of my friends said something those days. That in this Enugu, that many girls married guys who bought them 190. No, you know, Ben's 190. He said 20 years later they are still driving that 190. I hope you're getting my point. What I'm trying to say, you are praying for a rich husband. God heard you. He heard, he heard, he heard, he heard it well. But most rich husbands come to see you trekking. God will not let them be rich yet. And I don't mean they hit their motor somewhere. They don't have it. <laughs> you know those ones you watch in movie? Like the girl just mistake. He, 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 he thought, he, he, you know, she thought, she thought that uh, he is not taught in anything. In real life, I mean, guy is broke, man. He doesn't have. Don't let's let's not deceive ourselves. Okay, but God said that is the pathway to your destiny. For many, you will say, "See that man you are looking at today." Very soon, you'll be dashing out motor cars. Yeah, he can do it. But you see, if you don't have the eye of faith, you will never see it. I don't have time to. Be, maybe I should do a seminar, young women seminar. How to know the correct man. I can draw two tips before we go. Never marry an irresponsible man. Never. I don't care how rich he is. If everybody has gone to work at 10, he's still sleeping. If he, if he offers you lift in a Bentley, enter the nearest keke, enter it and disappear. That guy is a disaster begging to happen. I hope you're getting my point. Don't ever marry a dishonest guy. Ladies, are you listening to me? If every time he says good morning, you have to check the, pull the curtain. Whether true, true, I've been at midnight. Please run. I don't, I don't care whether he's born again or not. That is born against. This guy is not born again. He's born against. If you are dis- I know what I'm saying. No. Don't ever marry a dishonest man. In fact, I think that's the word of magic for somebody. Every time you're always making excuses for his, his, his stories he's telling. You will cry. That is. See, let me tell you what happened to you. Just listen to me. Whatever you are listening to me from. Eh? And you finish biting your fingers. The nails will finish. You buy the tip. The digital phalanx <laughs> will finish. You, you will be, you, they will think you have leprosy. It's from the biting of nails. You will regret yourself. And you will know that you are a bloody fool because it was, it was obviously a lie. Everybody told, you to, told it to you. 
He's buying you fine, fine things now. And you are following him. Meanwhile, the guy doesn't know how to tell the truth. Liars are detestable. Let me stop my message there. That's not the main, that's not everything. That's not everything. See, if you see a responsible man marry him, I don't care whether he's rich or not. Once he's responsible, he's dependable, he's faithful, he loves God, he goes to church. Because we don't have any hope apart from the word of God. That's what I'm making. We don't have any hope apart from the word of God. Oh, our time has gone. Let's bow our heads and give a lot of thanks for today. Please, we'll continue on the other reasons next time. Say, Father, we thank you. Let's just give a lot of thanks. Say, Lord, we thank you. Say, Lord, my prayers will not be hindered. Say, Lord, my prayers will not be hindered. That psalm we read in, we quoted from, even though we didn't open it at the beginning. It said, try me, O Lord, and know my heart. Search me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any hidden, you know, any wrong thing inside me. And lead me in the everlasting way. 139, yeah, 139, thank you. Yeah, from verse 23. Pray that prayer. Say, search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. Pray that prayer for yourself. Say, Lord, let me not have a deceived heart. That's leading me in deception. Causing me to believe that which is not true. Let me not live a lie of deception. A life of deception. Say, Lord, let me not live a lying life. A life of lies. A life of deception. And let me not teach anybody what is wrong. Pray that prayer.